Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Tell me what you eat, and I will tell you who you are. I did, that was my, and all my trips have been a trail test of some sort. My Oregon Coast trip was cold soak, the whole thing. I will never, ever do it again. That was awful. <laughs> By the end, I was in McDonald's craving breakfast because I wanted a hot breakfast so bad, and I never eat McDonald's. But it just, it was one of those things like, oh, I don't want this cold soak, whatever it was, for breakfast. So I would hike all the way into town just to get a McDonald's, I don't know, biscuit or something, whatever it but no, it's definitely either you like it or you don't thing. I like it certain times of the day. Like I don't mind like a pasta salad for lunch or I don't mind like a cold, like hummus, that kind of thing, or bean dips, those kind of things that you naturally eat cold. But I can't do all day cold, all day long kind of thing. That's just my personal preference. I thought it was really interesting. Most of my resupply hikers this season were all cold soakers. And I was just waiting for the day that they would finally switch over and say, I got a stove air and switch up my food. And they never did. I'm Doc. And this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, is this thing on? Hello? Hit it again. I think it's on now. Welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, where each week, Doc will drag some colorful characters out of the woods to talk trail and type 2 fun. If you're aspiring hiker trash, or if you're just looking to understand the hiker trash in your life, look no further. So lace up those boots, gnaw on some jerky, and settle into your 20-mile pace as we fire up the podcast from somewhere deep in the backcountry. It's time to embrace the suck. We are stoked to partner with Garage Grown Gear on this episode of Hiker Trash Radio. Garage Grown Gear, or GGG for short, is your online store for all things ultralight backpacking. Dedicated to supporting the growth of small and cottage brands, they've got everything you need all in one place. From ultralight accessories to dehydrated meals to your big three, 
garage-grown gear has everything you need to lighten your load. Based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, GGG is known for its commitment to providing quality ultralight gear, stellar customer service, and free shipping and returns over $40. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags, hiker trash, and of course, good smelling day hikers. I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, if you like what we're doing here, help us out. Take just a minute, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like what we're doing, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, a repeat customer who has a lot to share when it comes to fueling your journeys in the wild. Welcome back to Hiker Trash Radio, Aaron Mayhew, the creator and palette behind Backcountry Foodie. How's it going, Aaron? It's good. Thanks for having me. Like we were saying before, I think it's almost been two years since the last time we chatted. It's been a while. I, I did a little research, and I think you were early in season two of the podcast. You are currently, we're currently recording in season seven. So yeah, it's been a little bit. Oh, wow. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the last time we talked, I was talking to you. You were in a van. You, you were living the van life, I believe, right? Yeah, we were living the van life back then. So now I have four walls, stationary walls. So it's, a, it's been an adjustment for sure. Now, how long did you do van life? We were in the van for two and a half years. So I loved it. I was really sad to see it go, but we've gotten to a point with our, the business. And then my husband got to where he finished everything he needed to do for backcountry fooding, was missing his jobs. The time just came that we needed to move back into our house, but we still have it. We call her Bessie. So she's not going anywhere. She's still very much a part of our life. <laughs> Bessie. Love it. Love it. All right. Now, since the last time you've been on, we've done, we've gone through some changes as well. We used to be the John Freaky Muir pod. Now we're hiker trash radio a little bit of a rebrand but same basic concept talking to very interesting entertaining people like yourself getting some new perspectives looking at different angles to exploring out in the wild so don't be don't be surprised it's all pretty familiar it should be okay enough said then aaron have you picked up a trail name along the way that's funny you should ask because I don't think many people know my trail name. I've been backcountry foodie for so long that I got my trail name when I was on the PCT in the 2017 early on. So it's actually the reason why I ended up going home and not being able to finish it. My trail name is Sling. That's and what right. it is, I had a weird shoulder injury that ended up, I just was in so much pain, just constant shoulder pain to where I couldn't carry my backpack anymore ended up wrapping, using my tent footprint and wrapping it around me and making a sling out of it and walking like this. But at uh, the very last day, I was like this, and then carrying my backpack like a purse on the other arm was finally when Chris, my husband, now that um, it's, it's time for you to go home. You can't hike with a purse. <laughs> so it was sling, but nobody's ever really known about it because I've been backcountry booty ever since. I remember. That's how I got my trail name. I remember that very painful story. Painful in that oh. the physical pain, but also the anguish of having to get off the trail. Oh, it was horrible. I just turned 40, quit my job of almost 10 years. That's what through hikers, that's what we do. We like give it all up and not knowing like what's going to come next. So actually that's how Backcountry Booty ended up starting is that I was like, okay, ended up going home, getting rehabbed and I'd already made all my food for the trip. I'd quit everything. So I jumped in the AT the same season, um, not going into it prepared at all. Literally just hopped on a flight, flew over across the country from Seattle and started and ended up pulling my, tearing my quad muscle 500 miles in there. So that was a disaster. 2017 was a rough year. It was the beginning of foodie, but it was definitely a physical disaster. But it was. I'm glad I did it. 2017, a very memorable year for it you. It was a memorable year. My 40th birthday. And yeah, a lot. And I got married that year, too, when I got back. Wow. So, yeah, it was a big year. Very busy. All right. Hey, just to remind you, there is a segment towards the end of the episode where I'm going to turn to you and ask, to, ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. It's called the hiking hack. Okay. So you're expected to drop trail wisdom throughout, but you're going to be on the hook towards the end. Okay. All right. Let's I'm go sure to our. That's something. Okay. <laughs> well, let's go to our first segment. Trailblazers Toolkit. That's right. It's time for the Trailblazers Toolkit, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. I love to talk about gear on the podcast, and I love to hear about the most important item in my guest adventure gear, sling. If you were preparing for your next adventure and I was the one providing you with all your gear, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? Give me all the specifics on that piece of gear. Tell me why you got to have it out there. This could be any kind of item. It could be gear, could be apparel, could be a luxury item. Aaron, what is that item in your toolkit? 
I'm an ultralight long distance backpacker. So everything, and I'm getting older and older too. So my pack weight becomes more and more important because I don't recover as well. So I try to make as many pieces of my gear as multi-purpose as possible. So my one piece of gear that goes with me on day hikes, multi-day, anytime is actually my Frog Togs emergency poncho. $4.95. It's not one of these things that you've had to spend $800 on a tent or anything, but I use it as a poncho or I use it as just a pack cover because it's inevitable that I'm already sweating enough, so I'm just going to get just as wet in the rain, but I want my pack to stay dry, so maybe I'll get wet, but my pack stays dry. As a long-distance hiker, I use it as a skirt when I'm doing laundry, so I might need to wash my pants and everything else, so I'll wrap it around me as a skirt, a windbreaker. I don't even take a raincoat anymore just because I feel like they're I sweat too much under them, so I use it as a windbreaker if it's not raining, but I just need to have a little bit more insulation. I'll use it. I use it as ground cover. If there's times that the ground, I just, for whatever reason, I need a little bit of ground cover, I'll use it. It's, and it's recyclable. So when it does wear out, I'm not out a lot of money and I can put it in a recycling bin. So it's one of those pieces of gear that I've used ever since 2017. Yeah. I think I've gone through four of them in all those years. And so that's Mul- my favorite piece of multi- gear that goes everywhere I go. Multi use for sure. You just rattled off six yeah. or seven things you use it for. Yeah. <laughs> and how much does the Frog Togs Emergency Poncho weigh? Oh, gosh. I, and that's the thing is I've gotten so used with all my gear. I don't even weigh it anymore because I have my gear that I use. I want to say it's maybe an ounce and something and change <laughs> when it's super duper light. It's yeah. not heavy. Maybe two, no more than three, but maybe two ounces. It's really light. And so for your last hike, what was your base weight? Talk about being ultra light and feeling your years. You want to make sure you, you have the right uh, amount of weight on your back. Where did you go well, out? The last at? time I actually weighed my pack was Colorado Trail in 2021. Yeah, 2021. And it was 12 pounds, which is heavier than I like, but I was carrying a ton of camera equipment. So, had I not had the GoPro and the Gorilla Pot and all that other stuff, it would have been lighter. But without all the extra stuff, I would say I'm probably at 10 or 11 when I've really whittled things down, is what my base weight is. And like I said, I don't even weigh it anymore because I know what I like and what I don't like. So it just, it goes with me regardless now. (laughs) That is a nice weight. That's impressive. Nicely done. Okay. After living in a van, it helped. You learn to live with very little. That's right. You're already a minimalist. So it transfers over. Very good. (laughs) Hey, one of the segments that has not changed since the last time you were on. It's the hiking pole. The hiking pole. And that's pole spelled with two L's like a survey. Not like the thing you carry in your hands out there. This is a seven-question survey that's going to help me give you a score on the sanity scale from 1 to 100, with 1 being completely insane and 100 being completely sane. Now, there's an automatic 25-point deduction for anybody who hiked any distance on the trail using their pack as a, uh, like a pur- carrying like a purse or, purse. or, or having your arm uh, in a sling or tearing your quad uh, out on a, on a different trail. So your highest possible score tonight is 75. Okay. Do you remember the hiking pole? Did we have it? No, I don't think we had it back then. Okay. The, the, the podcast I've, has I've evolved. I've listened to it on several, yeah, it's evolved. <clears throat> I've heard it on several of your more recent episodes that I've listened to, but I don't think remember doing it myself. Okay. Do you want questions from set A, set B, or set C? Set A and C have to do with hiking. Set B has to do with the big issues facing the world today. Let's do C. C. Okay. Here we go. First question in the hiking pool. This is not rapid fire. You want to give me your answer so I can see which side of the issue you fall on, but then you need to explain your answer. That'll help me with my scoring. Okay. Question number one. When you're out there on the trail and you're hiking with others, what are your top three topics of conversation on the trail? That depends on who I'm hiking with. So when I'm with my husband, it's inevitable that it turns into a business meeting because <laughs> it's the time that we're out there and actually can sit and chat about things, this or that, or we hike in silence because it's the first time we've actually been able to be quiet. So it's either kind of one or the other, we're either talking foodie strategies or we're just really enjoying the peacefulness of it. If I'm hiking with one of my gal pals, it's usually just girly chatter, just that is one thing after another, like, how was your day? How's your husband? How's your kid? That kind of stuff that is usually nonstop. So it's either... Fully on or super quiet, depending upon who I'm with. Okay. Question number two, in your time on the trail, what is the best trail name you've encountered? Oh, gosh. There's been some good ones. Trying to think. The one that sticks with me a lot, just because I'm foodie, and it was a girl that I hiked with on the PCT in 2017 was Scavenger. 
because she only refueled her resupplies by scavenging the hiker boxes, which always cracked me up because I was so focused on eating well and getting all the calories and the protein and all that. And she was just like, whatever's in the box is what I'm going to eat for the next week. And we were good buddies. So it was funny just seeing our two different strategies play out that way. Yeah, that's one approach. You're dependent upon what is in those boxes. That's what was funny when I was doing it is I was getting text messages from hikers on Instagram saying, hey, Aaron, where are you? What'd you leave in the box? I'm right behind you. <laughs> I want to come eat your food. So that may have been why she was hanging out with me because she ended up getting some of my food along the way. <laughs> nice. All right. Question number three, toilet paper, bidet, leaves, snow, or something else? Depending upon one or two, but number two, toilet paper, number one, nothing. <laughs> Okay. And do you pack your toilet paper out or you bury it? Absolutely pack it out. Good answer. All right. Question number four, breakfast in camp, on trail, or no breakfast? He asks with hesitation to backcountry foodie. <laughs> Absolutely have to have breakfast. I am one person that you don't want to be around who's hangry. So yeah, breakfast on in camp for sure. Okay. Now, is it a quick breakfast like bars or is it a whole production? What is your preference? That depends on what my day is going to look like. If it's like a summit attempt, I need to get going really quick, then I'm really well known for my meal replacement shakes. So just add water, shake it up down the hatch kind of thing. If it's just a really easy overnight trip that we're hanging out, it might be more of a hot breakfast, sit around, actually drink a full cup of coffee. So it just really depends on what's going on, how many miles I need to pull that day, how early... Or if it's raining and I'm really not encouraged to get going yet, then I might stick around and camp a little longer and enjoy breakfast. So I'm noticing a trend very early in the interview here, and it's it depends. Oh, there's a lot of it depends. It depends. Yeah, yeah I can see. I can see. All right. Question number five. Do you prefer solo hiking or a tramley? I actually prefer solo. Because that's why I think I've gotten injured on most of my hikes is that I try to keep up, then maybe I'm not physically ready to keep up, that kind of thing. And then just keeping on everybody's schedule is that I'm happy to hike with other people, but I'm sticking to my own schedule just because my physically I do a lot better. Then there's just not that pressure of having to get the miles in or somebody needs to go home. You have to take days off, that kind of thing. And I do because I work so much. I like having some peace and quiet from time to time too, to be honest. But I do prefer camping with people because it's just always nicer to have somebody at night to talk to kind of thing. But actually, during the daytime, I'm totally fine being a solo hiker. I like that answer. That's a great answer. All right. Question number six. I want you to rank the following. I'm going to give you three items, and I want you to put them in order of most preferable to next most preferable to least preferable. Okay. Okay. So five-mile severe uphill, five-mile severe downhill, and 20-mile roadwalk. Oh, this is easy. <laughs> I'm a downhill runner, so five-mile downhill top for sure. 20-mile uh, was a roadwalk, you said? Yes. Yeah, that, that's no big deal. I've done a zillion of those. I am not a climber, so that is my least favorite thing. Oh, yeah, that's when I definitely need to hike solo. You don't want to be around me when I'm grumbling trying to climb <laughs> and I'm miserable. So I usually just say, go ahead and hike on, and then I'm going to be back here grumbling. I'll get there sooner or later. <laughs> now, did your husband know you very well? He knows what these trigger points are for you? Oh, yeah. 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 Smart we man. hike really well together because we know those. He's a climber, so he goes ahead. I'm a downhill person, so I got my head. He knows when I'm not getting enough food. He knows me well enough to where he's like, you should probably stop and take a snack, that kind of thing. So yeah, we know each other pretty well. Does he have a trail name? No, he doesn't. He is not a long-distance hiker. I have hmm. tried and tried to get him to go, but he's a weekend warrior through and through. How about one of your nicknames for him? Oh, gosh. I don't want to say those on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Those private. <laughs> All right, last question in the hiking pool. What's on your head out there? Ball cap, floppy hat, straw hat, sun hoodie, or no hat? Or something else? Uh, typically a ball cap, almost always. Then maybe a sun hoodie on top of that as well. Yes, good combo. Do you have a particular brand of ball cap? Is it a team hat? Is it like a trucker hat? What do you think? It's a backcountry foodie hat. Of course it <laughs> I is. I was looking for it. I thought I would have one here. I have a branded backcountry foodie hat, mesh um, athletic hat that I wear. Of course it is. Okay. Hey, stand back. I've got to do a little bit of math here. This is the mathematical portion of the episode. I need to uh, carry the two. We're going to multiply that by pi. I'm going to divide that by root five. It's highly technical. 
And I'm going to adjust for the number of meals discarded in the backpacker bins, the hiker boxes, and I come up with a score of 57. Mm. 57. Mid grade, huh? <laughs> yeah, that 25 points off the top, that, that kind of hurts. <laughs> All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, Aaron, let's back up a little bit. Let's hear about your background, where you grew up, and how did you get involved in the through hiking cult? background, I grew up in small town Paris, Kentucky, which most people, I don't know if they know that about me, that I grew up in a town of 6,000 people on a horse farm with zero mountain. We had a hill or two, about zero mountains. We weren't outdoorsy family. I was actually a competitive swimmer growing up and all the way through college. So it wasn't until I moved out to Seattle in 2001 for postgraduate work after college that I learned about mountains. And that's when I fell in love with it. And I've just been hiking ever since um, then. So I started out as your typical weekend warrior, then your three to five day backpacker to, oh, I'm going to quit my job and through hike the PCT. I've never hiked more than five days in a row, hiker. <laughs> so, and then I got the bug and I haven't stopped. <laughs> now that is a big move, quitting your job and hitting the trail. What led up to that? Oh, it was a lot. It was midlife crisis for sure. Like I said, I was turning 40. I'd been in my career for then 16 years as a clinical dietitian. So I'd had the exact same career the whole time. I loved my job, but I didn't like the hospital, the medical system anymore. So I'd been a hospital dietitian. I mentioned I lived in Seattle. It was just booming. So the traffic just kept getting worse and worse. It was two hours each way to work, 20 miles. So it was faster for me to ride the bus to work than it was for me to drive. That just was wearing down on me. Just the things at work were wearing down on me. Just all these kind of life, weird life things were happening. One of the triggers that I knew, at least my friends and family knew I did something weird, is that I went on a vacation to the Philippines and Bali with a man I met on the internet that I'd never met in person before. <laughs> my family was like, ooh, like you got to figure out what's going on. So I quit my job to figure that out. And um, is he now your husband? No, we were actually still really good friends. It worked out really well. Okay, but all it right. was definitely the point of something's really up, Aaron. Like, and I bought a, a luxury vehicle online on vacation. It was another weird thing that I did. I'm very frugal. So for me to do something like that, my friends are like, yeah, what is going on? Yeah, so quitting my job. Was, I got the next five months to figure out what the heck I am going to do with myself because that's obviously I'm not happy. And I should have been happy. I had a house. I had a car. I had all the things I was supposed to have. But we just get into those ruts and... Thank goodness I quit because I wouldn't be where I am today. I'd probably still be in the hospital job, miserable, driving two hours each way. So. Now, do you have any siblings? I have a younger sister. She's the complete opposite of me. I was going to ask. I was going to ask <laughs> if she's also a thru-hiker. Oh, no. Compl I took her on a one-day hike, and actually it may have been a backpacking trip. All I remember is that she sat down on a rock and was like, I'm done. You can't say you're done in the middle of the woods. <laughs> like, and I remember if it was an overnight or what it was, but I remember distinctly in Seattle when we'd gone for a hike, and she just literally sat down and was like, I'm done, I'm out, get me out of here. I'm like, you got to keep going. So, no, she's definitely more of a – she lives in Savannah, Georgia. She's a mom with two kids, does all the family PTA, that kind of stuff, and that's just – that's not me. I'm definitely rough and tumble, be outdoors kind of person. Okay. Now, what year did you quit your job? 20 – let's see. I started March 26th of 2017, so I quit my job like January of 2017. This all happened in 2017. Yeah, I, 2017 was a big year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and did you know your current husband at the time you quit your job? The crazy guy just started dating me when I, our very first date was like, oh, by the way, I'm quitting my job. Are you still interested in me? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, but I'm quitting. I'm going to be unemployed and going on this crazy hike. And he stuck it out, and we've been married ever since. So, wow. He is a trooper. Yeah, he, did, a trooper. He, did, he did not turn and run. No. I, I was like, okay, you're along for the ride. This is what I do. Here's This is who I am. This is all this kind of thing. And he actually supported me financially the first part of it while I figured it out. And then I was able to support him financially in the van when we had foodie when he quit his job. Because it wasn't but another two years later that he hit the same rut at his job where he was frustrated, the commute, yada, yada, yada. So that's when he had the one day, I'm done, we're buying a van, we're leaving. I'm like, okay, here we go, let's do this. And yeah, so we're still together. Now we're in California of all places. What part of California? We're on the Central Coast. I'm actually back to my roots. I'm in a small farming town, which I never thought I would do, but I love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you can find somebody who supports you for who you are and support your passion, don't let go. Oh, I know. I'm super lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super duper lucky. And it sounds like he is too. Yeah. All right. Now, 
I want to spend I want to spend some time talking about but the backcountry foodie story and talking about backcountry food and recipes and all that good stuff. But before we get there, I don't want to skip over your time on the trail. I know that you just recently completed a hike. I think it was recent, the Condor Trail. That's actually a good story. We've been I was hoping to have finished multiple sections by the time today came. Uh-huh. We have hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock and have not done a single mile. I don't know if you know anything about here last or actually this January, February, we had a lot of rain here on the central coast of California. The entire 400 mile, the Condor Trail is 400 for the people listening. The Condor Trail is 400 miles through the Los Padres National Forest. It's a unknown through hike um, that I've been tipping and trying to work on it over the past year or so. But earlier this year, we had so much rain that the trail washed out in a lot of sections. Even the roads are washed out. So We've tried, I think we're on plan F as of today, <laughs> is that I'll come up with an idea, then my new hiking buddy looks at us, she's like, no, that road's washed out. No, that trail's closed. No, this is so, we have, we're actually going to just call it off this year and hope maybe next year that we're going to be able to get back on the trail because everything's still closed or overgrown even worse than it already was normally, which is why people don't like it because it's a really unknown trail and it's not used very often. Yeah, there was a ton of rain and snow in oh. California. Uh, yeah. I'm in Southern California, so I, I I I know of all the rain that the entire state got. It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy at one point. I mean, so yeah, we had lakes that were never lakes, right? <laughs> rivers right. that weren't rivers. Yeah. So prior to your Condor Trail attempt, what was what was your previous hike to that? So the one prior to that was the Colorado Trail. Was the one I did in 2021. And then prior to that, I did the Colorado Trail and then the PCT and AT are my four hikes that I've been working on. So, yeah. Take us through your Colorado Trail experience. How'd that go? That was a learning experience. I lost my appetite. And for a foodie to not want to eat is a big deal. (laughs) I literally had zero appetite for over 200 miles. It was I was physically tired all the time. I just, I never hit the wall. I never was really hangry. I never had stomach aches like hunger. I just had zero interest in food and I had zero energy. But being the stubborn hiker that I am, I kept pushing and pushing. I'd already failed the AT. I'd already failed the PCT. So I got to do the Colorado Trail. I'm here kind of thing. But unfortunately, I ended up just having this horrible respiratory infection and ended up in the emergency room and IVs and all that kind of stuff that my husband again was like, you're done. <laughs> done. I'll never forget the, la- the day before I finally quit, as I was so tired, I couldn't hold the burrito to eat it. He had to actually pull open the pieces because he was in the van following me. So I'd come to the road, he'd give me my food, and then I'd take off again kind of thing. So resupply was wonderful. But I'll never forget the time he brought me a burrito, and I literally could not hold it. I was so tired. But I pushed on. The next day I quit, but I pushed on that day anyway. I'm just so stubborn. So was it the respiratory illness that was causing the, the lack of appetite, or was it sheer exhaustion? Or, or did you figure know. it out? It was so. I never figured it out. Okay. It just, and I was sick actually for another two weeks after that. I was just gotten some kind of bug that I just, I couldn't get rid of. And of course you're at altitude and I'm pulling 20 plus miles a day. So you're not really going to recover. So the only way I was going to be able to get better was to actually stop. Yeah. And I've never had problems at altitude before. We'd been traveling in the van at altitude, living at altitude. So that's what was so bizarre. I just, I got a cold, I guess, is all I can think. And then I just felt terrible. You know what I like about this story is that you don't seem to take no for an answer. There was the sling I incident. Like, no. <laughs> there was a there was the quad incident. There's the I can't hold a burrito incident. And now all the trails are washed out up in Central California. But you know what? You're still looking. You're still mm-hmm. it sounds like you're still bound and determined to get out there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When you're talking about Sufferfest, I'm a Sufferfest queen. Bring it on. <laughs> so <laughs> Embrace the suck. I've got nowhere. Actually, I don't embrace the suck for sure. I've actually got nowhere. I don't even think I want to go back and do the PCT because it's too popular now that I'm actually really enjoying the more remote stuff that challenges me a little bit more mentally. That's why I'm really enjoying the Condor Trails because it's more of a route that I'm actually spending a lot of time route finding and navigating and that kind of thing and making decisions of should I climb this? Should I push through that? That kind of thing versus the PCT now. It's just a cruise. It's very social and fun and that kind of thing. But I think just my hiking style has changed over the last couple of years that I like a different kind of challenge. So that's finding new hiking buddies. I preface it with, are you ready for a suffer fest? <laughs> like, <laughs> be prepared because I've lost the last three hiking buddies because of it. So <laughs> they'll go on one hike and they're like, yeah. That's enough. Hey, if you're hiking, if, if you're hiking with sling, make sure you have your Garmin with you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now there are some high routes in California. Mm-hmm. There's the Sierra High Route, 
right? Which is yep. a little less traveled than the John Muir Trail. There's also, I don't know if it's a route, but it's a little less maintained trail that was supposed to parallel the, the John Muir Trail and take some traffic off of it. It's called the Theodore mm-hmm. Solomon's Trail. Heard of that one, huh? Yeah, it's about 270 miles, I think. It's a bit longer than, than the John Muir Trail. And from what I've heard from a couple of folks who have given it a, a try, it is it is not as maintained. There's some bushwhacking involved. Right. Yeah, that's actually what the Condor Trail is. It's a lot of bushwhacking. So there comes a point where there's so much bushwhacking that you can tolerate, but I've actually really enjoyed the difficulty of it. But the high route, I'm really, now that we live so close to it, we just did the, oh, we didn't talk about that. Uh, we just did the Tour de Mont Blanc. Oh. That was my way of introducing my husband into long distance hiking. <laughs> the only way I got him to go is because we were able to sleep in a bed every day, but the 10 days, so I'm hoping to transition him to maybe the JMT kind of thing. Nice. Um, what, so what, was it, these, what was his reaction? He loved the TMB. I don't know that he would love it sleeping in a tent every night. <laughs> so it's a, I'm going to slowly work on trying to get him to transition to that. But no, he loved the TMB. We both did. Um, that was definitely in, talking about another don't say no. We ended up in the hospital on that trip too. So there's always some kind of saga for us <laughs> that's going on. Yeah, European long distance hiking. There are a lot of opportunities out there where you are sleeping in a bed every night mm-hmm. and and possibly eating at a, a restaurant oh, yeah. every night, we, right? It was posh. Yeah, they yeah. made our food, breakfast and dinner every night. We stopped and drank beer for lunch during the day. It was super posh. The hiking was hard. I won't say that it wasn't easy physically, but mm-hmm. you get up and we were the last because it was a vacation for us. So we were purposefully the last ones to leave during the day. And literally the host would be like, okay, shoo, shoo. We got to clean out so move on. Uh, so we'd start like at 9.30 or 10. Then we'd stop for lunch at 11 or 12, have a beer, some kind of snack, and then roll in at three or four, have another beer, then have dinner at six, you know, that kind of thing. Now, I don't Um, want to steal your thunder for the next segment when we talk about backcountry foodie, but have you figured out a way to dehydrate a beer where you just add some water and you are good to go (laughs) in the backcountry? No, but there are some cocktail mixtures that I've seen online that are dehydrated, like some margarita mixtures I think they've done. They're, I've actually been wanting to look in. I have a pina colada recipe, believe it or not, that you just add one of the little bottles of rum to that you can actually have a trail pina colada. Um, but no, that's definitely on my to-do list too, is to have some kind of cocktail to be able to take with you. Yeah, a nice six-pack of dehydrated IPA. That would make mm. my day, make my trip. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to get a little bit deeper into backcountry foodie. When we come back from the break, we're going to pay some bills and we'll be right back. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hey there, hikers. Ever conquered a peak only to find your feet a battlefield of blisters and hotspots? It's enough to make you want to pack it in and head home. But what if there was a way to hike harder, longer, and with more comfort? Introducing Creepers Merino Toe Socks. Made with ultra-soft merino wool and seamless construction, these socks are designed to minimize blisters and hot spots, even on the most demanding trails. Imagine this, you're miles into your hike, the sun is shining, and your feet feel light and airy. You're not worried about blisters or hot spots, just the beauty of the wilderness surrounding you. That's the power of Creeper socks. Don't let blisters hold you back from your next adventure. Get your hands on a pair of Creeper's Merino toe socks today and experience the difference. Visit the website by following the link in the show notes to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use the discount code HTRADIO to let them know Doc sent you. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. 
with a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. And welcome back. We're talking to Aaron Mayhew, a.k.a. Sling, from Backcountry Foodie. And we, when we left, we were talking about some dehydrated drinks, which, I don't know, that's, that's probably not a thing for the most part. But let's get to the Backcountry Foodie story. Now, I know that you quit your job. You left for the trail. Uh, you were a dietitian. Where did the inspiration for Backcountry Foodie come in? How did it hit you? So it started with the PCT prep is that at the time I was a long distance trail runner. So again, I mentioned earlier on, I'm not a nice person to be around when I'm hangry. So food I knew was going to be a very big deal for me on the PCTs. Like everybody else, you're panicking about how do you resupply? How are you going to eat enough? All those kind of things. So being a dietitian, I was even more neurotic about it because I'm paying attention to the carbs and proteins and those things. So what I ended up finding out very quickly was number one, I'd, I'd never done DIY backpacking food. I'd always um, eaten Mountain House and those kind of things. So number one, that's too expensive for six months. They're too bulky, too much sodium. I can go on and on about like why I couldn't do that. So then I started tinkering around with some of the DIY recipes that I found in cookbooks. And then I realized those didn't have the nutrition punch to them that I wanted. So then I started tinkering with those recipes and then... It just turned into a thing that I made these, and I didn't know at the time I was going to be an ultralight backpacker. It just evolved as it came because I knew I needed X number of calories and as small a volume as possible, as light as possible, and I just developed this ultralight meal planning is what I've since called it, that I create recipes with, essentially I try to just use food that you would normally eat at home, so it's not such a huge transition to the trail. So it's just like you eat your everyday food, but I figured out how to take it and put it in a dry form. So you're still eating kind of the same volume of food, the same nutrition that you're used to eating, so your guts aren't, oh, what, what's this new stuff that I'm eating now that I'm not used to eating? So that's how it evolved. It just started as my thing for the PCT, and then, like I was saying, people were following me on the trail, wanting the leftovers that I wasn't going to eat. And so then I got back, and in 2018, I wrote a cookbook. And then people were like, okay, you got to keep churning these out. And then writing a cookbook was awful. I'll never do that again. The people that are listening, I'm sorry. I will never, ever write a cookbook again. It was a terrible experience. What was so um, awful? What was so awful about writing a cookbook? I don't like to write, period. <laughs> For me, it was the writing, it was the editing and all that. And doing, yeah, it was just a horrible experience. And two, with writing a cookbook, you have to stockpile all these. And then you finally get to publish them later. So that's where we've since evolved to the online platforms where every single month I can upload new stuff all the time as I'm creating it and trail testing it. So I'm not having to wait to share because I'm pretty, if you can't tell, I'm very type A, I'm impatient. I like to get stuff done. <laughs> if I develop something, I want to share it right away. I don't want to withhold it from people because what good is it sitting here in my stack of papers? I'd rather hikers be out there using it. So that's why we've since evolved to the online platform because I can upload it. I can make changes. 
and that kind of thing. And then the meal planning platform, same kind of thing. It evolved from all of my spreadsheets that I did for planning for my trips that now it's just an automated tool that you go in there and you punch around and click a couple buttons and it creates a meal plan for you. That's where it all started. And then it's just, now it's evolved into, I have a resupply service and I'm feeding other hikers. Yeah, (laughs) I was just going to say, I pulled up your website and I'm looking at it and there are, looks like four main components. There's ultralight Mm -hmm. recipes, there's meal planner, there Mm -hmm. is nutrition coaching, and there's resupply service. And so, with, so let's start with the recipes. So with the recipes, you're constantly adding to the to the recipes? So I'm always adding new stuff in there. A lot of it's a trail experience that I'm out there, I'm craving something. And then, or the thing that I really enjoy doing is if I found a recipe I really like making for dinner or lunch or what have you at home, I figure out how to make that dry because I like to just eat regular food when I'm backpacking. So a lot of the recipes in there are family recipes that I just convert, like the spaghetti recipe is my mom's spaghetti. We have a um, sweet potato casserole, and there's my grandmother's sweet potato casserole recipe. So there's a lot of those that I've just figured out how to tinker the ingredients in such a way that we can take them backpacking. Yeah, so that's what the recipe part of the job is. Now, about how many recipes do you have on the on the site? Um, getting close to 230, I wow. think, right now. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, it's broken up by meal type if it's dinner breakfast lunch dessert oh there's a zillion filters okay. again this is my neurosis <laughs> my yeah, breakfast lunch dinner you got cook no cook cold soap we've got i think eight different dietary preferences so vegetarian vegan gluten-free low sugar low sodium bariatric because we have quite a few bariatric hikers that have had their surgery lost their weight and they're out there being active that they have very special needs, so I'm actually making a lot of meals specifically for those people. I was diagnosed with reflux, so I've been creating reflux recipes for folks, and lo and behold, there's a lot of people out there with reflux that have a hard time on trail. Yeah, the reflux gets triggered by the recipes or the meals that they're eating, so I've been creating a whole line of reflux recipes. So it's all just, as things happen, I just start making more and more things as people need them. Now, if someone goes on and they pull up your recipes, do they have to dehydrate? Do they have to have a dehydrator? I mean, what, how does this work? They're dry ingredients based, meaning that you can, and I've since transitioned from using a lot of the more obscure ingredients you have to buy on Amazon, but the pound, a bag, like a pound of cheese powder, that kind of thing. You just don't go through it enough during the season to use up the whole thing. So I've transitioned to trying using ingredients you just have at the grocery store. So that's what most of it is. You can run to the store, pick it up off the shelf, dump it, it's all dry. So dump it in a Ziploc baggie, seal it up, and you're done kind of thing. Again, that goes along with my personality. I like it to be quick, easy, fast, and done because we're all working hard. We're all busy, you know. So I would rather you spend your time outside with your time off than spending it in the kitchen and hours and hours to meal prep kind of thing for your trip. So most of them, they're five minutes or less to make it home and five minutes or less on trail to you. Okay. Now, last time you and I spoke, I know that you tried to convince me that cold soaking was a good thing. And I went online and I you gave me a subscription to Backcountry Foodie. I, I love it. And I, I pulled down three or four recipes that I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it the good old college try. And I was out there and I did it for a few days. But I think it was because I was with other hikers who had stoves that I, there I am at the end of the day eating my cold food and they're eating warm meals. And I eventually just caved in. So are you an adamant cold soaker? Where do you stand on position? I did, that was my, and all my trips have been a trail test of some sort. My Oregon coast trip was cold soak, the whole thing. I will never, ever do it again. That was awful. (laughs) By the end, I was in McDonald's craving breakfast because I wanted a hot breakfast so bad, and I never eat McDonald's. But it just, it was one of those things like, oh, I don't want this cold soak, whatever it was for breakfast. So I would hike all the way into town just to get a McDonald's, I don't know, biscuit or something, whatever it but no, it's definitely either you like it or you don't thing. I like it certain times of the day. Like I don't mind like a pasta salad for lunch or I don't mind like a cold, like hummus, that kind of thing, or bean dips, those kind of things that you naturally eat cold. But I can't do all day cold all day long kind of thing. That's just my personal preference. I thought it was really interesting. Most of my resupply hikers this season were all cold soakers. And I was just waiting for the day that they would finally switch over and say, I got a stove air and switch up my food. And they never did. So there's people that can do it and they can do it for a long time, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> so hiker trash radio listeners, I want you to pay attention to that because we, we just heard that cold soaking is so bad that it, it drove a dietitian to go to McDonald's. <laughs> to McDonald's. <laughs> That's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. It's not just me. It's not just me. Okay. Now, 
So that's ultralight recipes on your website. Meal planning, mm -hmm. meal planner. What is that section devoted to? So that is taking the recipes and I think we have well over a thousand commercial foods now. So all your snack bars and chips and whatever, chews, whatever kinds of things. And you literally go in and we've got templates set up. So it's like breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks. And you just click on breakfast to pick what breakfast you want to go in there. It dumps it in, pick on whatever snacks you want. It dumps them in. And what the planner part does is it automatically tallies up your calories. It tallies up if you really want to get nerdy, if you want to know your carbs and your protein, if you're looking at your sugar, or if you're having to watch your sodium, it calculates all that up for you. And it adds up all the weight of the food. So if you're an ultralight backpacker or trying to keep your food weight down, you'll know exactly, oh gosh, like this is way too heavy. I should probably take this out, put this in, that kind of thing. So it's fully automated. It's literally just dragging things around. The best feature of it that I personally use all the time is a shopping list feature is that it will literally, you just click of a button, create shopping list, it spits out, you need, I don't know, six Carnation Instant Breakfast Packets, four cups of oats, two bags of freeze-dried bananas, whatever it is, it tells you exactly what you need based on whatever the plan is that you built. And you can build as many plans as you want. So that's part of my coaching is I teach people how to do that so they can go in and do it all themselves over and over again for future hikes. Okay, let's segue to nutrition coaching, which you just mentioned. Oh, so sorry. if someone clicks <laughs> on that portion of your website and what do they get? So for that is one-on-one -on -one individual coaching. I do the on-trail kind of nutrition. So I help people that are struggling, they're hitting the wall, they're packing too much food, there are questions about dehydrating, anything to do with the actual on-trail nutrition are the things that I do. Amelia is the other dietitian that works for us. She does pre-hike kind of stuff. So if you're wanting to lose weight or get in shape, or she's also has a history of being a bariatric dietitian, she's worked with bariatric folks. So she's my resource for pre-hiking. She gets you all ready to go. And then I make sure you stay eating well when you're actually on the trail. Uh, essentially, anything to do with your food for hiking is what we can talk about. So it's very individualized. Okay. And then the newest component you seem to have added, and that's the resupply service. Yep. So if someone signs so, up for your resupply service, what does that mean? And that can be a lot of things too. So the full resupply service, the custom service is essentially... If I can buy it, you can have it kind of thing. So the, and also I do gear shipments. So last year it really worked out really well for a lot of international hikers who are coming into the States. They don't have extra support people here. So especially with the weather we had last year that they would send me, and also it saved them a lot of money. Actually, they buy a lot of American gear, have it sent to me instead of buying it there, paying customs back and forth. There's a lot of cost and time there that they would have all their gear sent to me. Then when they needed their winter gear for the Sierra, they would sit me, ship me their summer, so we'd switch it back out. And then when they got out of the Sierras, then we'd switch it back again. Essentially, our spare bedroom is a hiker resupply office, I guess you could say, resupply central. There's a couple of posts on it where I have a hiker box that every hiker has their own plastic tote. So all their things are in there. So that kind of thing. It's also for hikers that have very specific dietary needs that you just can't buy that food when you're on the trail. And you really have to be careful. I had a celiac hiker that I made all of her food just for her very carefully because she was like, I'm going to, she's always had a history of losing a ton of weight on her other hikes because she's not been able to find enough food. So this year she did really well and she finished, she did the PCT, didn't lose weight. So I was super excited for her. And then I also do things like one of my hikers had daily contact lenses that he didn't have somebody at home to be able to send those back and forth. So it's that kind of extra support person. Essentially, I'm a trail mom. Essentially, <laughs> is what it is. I'm like your, one of my hikers called me the concierge, the trail concierge. Trail um, concierge. So that's, nice. So that's the custom service. And you can use me as little as you want if you just need me for the towns that there's absolutely nothing there. Then you can use me for that. I had another hiker that was on a deadline. He's, I've got 100 days to get this done. I don't even want to think about food. I just want to have you ship a box. I pick it up. I keep going. I did every single box for him because we needed it to be like on clockwork kind of thing. So that's what the custom service is, is I do all the work for you. You place an order and then it magically shows up. What we just opened this, oh gosh, last week was our Build-A-Box shop. So we now have a shop online to where what I learned last season is that most of my hikers didn't need all that extra support. They just needed a place to buy healthy food. So those towns where you couldn't buy good food, they were having to like order well, on Amazon. You have to buy everything in like a bag of 10 or 20 kind of thing. So essentially our shop is going to have everything in individual portions. So you buy only what you need for that box. You're not having to buy like huge quantities of things or even going into the grocery store and having to buy like a 20 pack of carnation and breakfast. You only buy two that you need kind of thing. So that's what the shop is. And it's also designed to have all the weird 
I don't want to say weird, all the dietary preferences that, so again, that low sodium, low sugar, all those things that are hard to find in a grocery store, we're meeting all those needs for people. Because I found with the custom service that there's only so much of me that in the day, I couldn't help enough people. <laughs> so the shop is like, you place the order, then I just box it up and out the door it goes. Whereas the custom service actually go to the grocery store and making the food and doing all those things. It's my hope that this year, the shop's going to help a lot more people just because it's already there and easy to access. So we'll you see. are shipping a lot of stuff to various towns what, on the trail. Yeah. <laughs> For the people watching, that's what's behind me. This is a shipping material. <laughs> now, I had some romantic notion that you would get some orders and you'd pack up Bess, Bessie and you'd head out on the on the road oh, to, no. to drive to the trail, <laughs> meet the hiker there, really personalized level of service. I there. did a few, actually. Yeah. We did on a few of our weekends, yeah, because we go to the Sierras so much that I actually met a few in the Sierras. And then I went to PCT Days and met a couple of my other hikers. So it was fun to hand deliver a couple of the boxes. But now, for the most part, it's right here, shipping boxes <laughs> that are all behind me. It's an eight-foot-tall shipping station. Now, we, we've talked about all this stuff, these four different areas on your website. Obviously, this is subscription-based. The memberships and the recipes and meal planner, yes, is membership. Membership. And so what is the cost of a membership to Backcountry Foodie? So the recipes, it's in tiers. So just the recipes that we were talking about is $36 a year for all the recipes. $36 so a year. It's cheap. $3 a month. Yeah. 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 And you're always getting new ones. So I'm yeah. sure I'm sure most people have three dollars in unknown subscriptions somewhere coming Probably. out of their bank. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty affordable. Yeah. And that's we make it affordable because I want people to use it. I want people to have access to it. Yeah. And I sound so, like yeah. I'm sound I sound like I'm a salesman for you. And this is a, a sales episode. <laughs> but I have to tell you, if you have not cruised through Backcountry Foodie and all the recipes they have, it it is incredible. There is a lot there. And I love like you said, I love the, the feature where you click on the recipes and it tells you what to buy. It, it, it provides mm -hmm. you that shopping list. There are so many very cool things to how you've nerded out and uh, customized this site, uh, thinking of all kinds of different variables that $36 for a basic subscription is Yeah, that's, that's for awesome. the recipes. Then the meal planner part where you're talking about the shopping list, that's $48 a year. Mm -hmm. So that's the next level up. And what you're talking about, because I'm trying to keep this all one-stop shopping, is now the shopping list go to our shop. So you don't even have to go to Amazon or REI or this or that. Like you just, literally your shopping list, click, goes into the cart, click, goes into the cart, click, goes into the cart, and then you're done, like all in one place. You don't have to go to all these other stores to do that stuff. Yeah, so I've even tried to take that out of it. Now, how many employees at Backcountry Foodie? <laughs> <laughs> the, same, truly. the same number of employees as at Hiker Trash Radio. <laughs> Actually, I have Amelia's the dietitian. She does all the writing for me. Like I mentioned, I hate to write. So yeah. she writes all of our newsletters and blogs and those things. She works about 10 hours a week just writing things for me. And then I have a business operations manager right now um, who's been working 20 hours a week, but he needs to go back to a full-time job. So unfortunately, when he goes back probably within the next week or two, then it's back to me. So. Now, is, is, is business booming? Yeah. So, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'll figure yeah, it out. That was my question. <laughs> how do you maintain that or, or how do you scale up? What is the next step for the business? I actually, I just sent an email to the nutrition school. There's a nutrition school right by the kitchen where I'm going to be, and we haven't talked about that. I'm actually making the food now and selling it nationwide. I just got my commercial license. So I just today emailed the nutrition school to start get some students hopefully on board with that. So I'm going to have ideally students making the food for me. And then I'll just be running the kitchen one or two days a week. And then the rest of it, I'm probably gonna have to hire help again. So I'm just waiting to see how this kitchen thing plays out to see what kind of help I need that I'm gonna have to. It's been a really nice treat having Micah. Um, if he's listening, like it's been wonderful having you on set to see you go. <laughs> but I understand I can't, I just can't compete with full-time jobs right now. All right. Hey, let's talk about some of your favorite recipes. Breakfast would be my berry breakfast crumble which actually it might be on the website as a free sample. I'm trying to remember. It is because I like a hot breakfast and it's super simple. It's granola with a mixture of freeze-dried berries like strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, some chia seeds, a little bit of sugar, and then coconut oil. And it only takes a splash of hot water just to soften it a little bit and it turns into almost like a, like a dessert crumble. It's super duper yummy. And it's crazy high calories, like 700 calories or something in a cup worth of food. I would find time in the morning to eat that on the trail. It's really good. It's yes. one of those that I've never gotten tired of. 
And it's super easy. It's just dry ingredients. Dump it in a bag. You can buy it all at the grocery store. Super easy. Then my favorite lunch would be my hummus or any kind of hummus. I love hummus because it is literally, it's what I call no cook. It's not a cold soak. You just add water, stir, and it's done. So that's something I really enjoyed because I like having a real lunch for lunch. I don't like eating bars for lunch. I like to have something substantial, but it doesn't take any time at all. And Mother Earth, I'm going to give a shout out, Mother Earth Products has the best hummus mix and it's really inexpensive and just literally just add water and whatever other things you want to add to it. If you want to add a little extra garlic, a little Parmesan cheese, I always put olive oil because it adds more calories and it makes it creamier, but it's one of those, they have the base and then you just add whatever you want into it kind of thing. So I usually do like hummus with some pita chips or pretzels or something like that as a lunch. My all time favorite dinner still stands. And this one definitely is on the website is the garlic Parmesan ramen. Another super duper simple recipe, it's just ramen noodles, whether you have the cheap stuff or the fancy stuff or the gluten-free, just some kind of noodles. It's garlic powder, dried parsley, salt and pepper, Parmesan cheese, and olive oil. It makes a pesto sauce, essentially, is what it does. And just soak the noodles in a little bit of water. You actually drain the water off, so it actually now becomes like a pasta dish. And then you just mix in the toppings, and it's super duper yummy. And it's easy. It's just dry ingredients put in the bag, and you're done. You know, I did an episode with Billy Yang. Have you heard of Billy Yang? Endurance okay. runner, ultra runner. And he, uh-huh. he did some hiking. He did the, the uh, John Muir Trail with a couple of friends. And his claim to fame out there, what he thought was so cool, was he added like different spice packets, sauce packets, like uh, something you get at a restaurant to his ramen. Right. That yeah. is, that's like low level compared to what you can find at Backcountry Foodie in terms of yeah. well, exotic recipes. Yeah, I get rid of the packet immediately gets trashed. That goes away immediately. I use the regular noodles, but then there's just, I've actually been tempted to just have a ramen packet thing to have on the website to sell toppings so that you bring in your ramen, whatever your noodles are. And then here's just the topping pack kind of thing. So I thought about doing that kind of thing. So I might be toying around with that idea because we've got a peanut ramen. That's like a Thai ramen that everybody loves. We've got a sweet and sour ramen. That's really good. We've got the spaghetti uses ramen. So there's a bunch of different ones that we have that, it would be awesome if I could just make a little packet of sauce and then you just dump it on your noodles. So Now, Backcountry Foodie is doing so well. That is your soul. I know your husband has a job, but it, it is, it's like a full-time job for you in terms oh, this of... Is, yeah. Oh, this is an 80-hour a week job. This is full-time. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, more, it's more than full-time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I love it. Like The thought of going back to my old job, that makes me work even harder because I just I can't go back to where I was. So I work as hard as I do because I love what I do. Let me ask that question. I, let, let wish me ask, I wouldn't work so hard. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask that question a different way. Are you making enough or are you making as much at Backcountry Foodie as you were at your previous job? No. Okay. Hopefully this year I will, but no, I'm not making the amount of money. But right. for me, the happiness of what I'm yeah, doing is far outweighs There's a trade-off that, for sure. So, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So ideally this year, I'm going to hit there. That's this year's gold. I'm slowly been ramping up. So hopefully this year I'm going to get there. Okay. Just don't get hurt on the trail somewhere. Yeah, no, right. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the next big adventure for Aaron? I would love to keep working at this Condor Trail. This one's really bothering me because I really want to tackle this thing. That's a personal project that I really want to work on. So then maybe that's next time. Like I mentioned, the Tour de Mont Blanc ended 15 miles short. (laughs) So I'm finishing that. So we want to go back and finish that. Um, My husband would love to learn how to paraglide, parasail, whatever it is you do. He's definitely the more high intensity, scary stuff kind of adventure. So we've talked about going back and doing that and me hiking maybe another route up there kind of thing. It's definitely going to be short shorter trips just because of how much I'm going going on with foodie right now. I'm not able to do a long trail anytime soon, but definitely high epic kind of adventures, just shorter duration ones is probably what we're going to be into. Yeah. There's the, I think the Pyrenees high route as well Mm -hmm. in Europe. And there's the, yeah, there's quite a, there's a lot of stuff yeah. over there. We were yeah. there actually for the Tour de Mont Blanc race, and I was super inspired by that. So I've actually started trail running again. So who knows? Maybe I'll end up running the TMB. Have you, have you heard of, <laughs> have you heard of Andrew Glaze? Andrew Glaze. He has a streak right now. I think it's up to 191 straight weeks where he's run at least 100 miles each week. Oh my gosh. He is a, he's a fire captain. And the only reason I bring him up is you, you mentioned uh, trail runner, but he also competed in the uh, Tour de Mont Blanc. Oh, wow. That's an yeah. impressive race. After yeah. hiking it, I was just like, because we were there, 
we were almost finishing the day that they were finishing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh my gosh, like you guys are just, and people in their 70s were doing this. So that was the inspiration for me. It's like, get your act together, Aaron. <laughs> you need to get outside and you can do this. <laughs> and speaking of your injuries, Andrew Glaze, he ran in, I don't know if it was the Badwater. It was some big 200-mile race somewhere, ultra marathon. And the first five miles, he tore his hamstring and he finished the race. Holy moly. Yeah. That's some determination. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. pure grit, for yeah. sure. Yep. All right. Hey, Aaron, you know where we are right now? I've forgotten. Where are we in the lineup of things? <laughs> Hiking Hacks. Oh. Hiking Hacks. It's time for you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. And I have a suspicion it might be food related. I could be wrong though. No, I've gone blank. Uh-oh. <laughs> like all the things we've talked about. I've lost what um, oh, here's one, a hiking hack, a food related, because I was talking earlier about my meal replacement drinks. Is that for those times that you lose your appetite or you don't want to stop and eat, like I make these full drinks and I drink them right out of the bag, but most people use the little Ziploc baggies and they're really flimsy. So they're hard to drink out of. So if you are carrying like a pot or a cup or something, put the bag in your pot. And then flip the edge out and use that as like a way of giving it some structure and then drink out of it. So that way you're still, you're not dirtying a bottle because a lot of people will pour it in the bottle. Then you have this dirty bottle that you have to clean. So that's my hack of still being easy, fast, quick meal without having to do extra dishes afterwards. Nice. All right. So there you have it. We are just about done here. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Erin. want to thank her for joining us this week. Erin, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest injuries on the trail? So essentially just Google search backcountry foodie. You'll find me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook. We have some oldie YouTube videos that we filmed when we were back in the van. I just haven't had time to do new ones, but those are still online. And then our website's backcountryfoodie.com. Okay. Remember to check out Hiker Trash Radio on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at hikertrashradio at gmail.com. Off the beaten path. Now, unfortunately, Aaron, we can't always be on the trail. And when we're not, we need to find a way to get our adventure fixed. So I'm going to ask you to share some outdoor adventure media with our listeners to help them get by. This could be a book or a movie or documentary. We call this segment Off the Beaten Path, and it's sponsored by the outdoor clothing brand Magnet Designs. What do you have for us? We actually really enjoy a YouTube channel called Mediocre Amateurs. Do you know those guys? I've Um, I've reached out to them to try and get them on the show, but uh, I've been unsuccessful at this point. I I don't know why I keep watching them because every time I watch, I'm like, that was such a dumb idea. (laughs) That was just crazy. What were you thinking? Or that was such a bad decision. But I keep watching because I think I'm just looking forward to that next one. Um, For the people that have never watched, there are three guys. It's usually one primary guy that does it. Long distance hikers, trail runners kind of things. They're amateur endurance athletes, I guess you could say. Um, But they always do these crazy epic things that normally you would do in like a 10-day span and two days. Um, for example, they did the Tour de Mont Blanc just after we did it. We did it in 10 days. The guy did it in three. So it's just this crazy stuff. And they always get into these situations where they run out of food or they run out of light. Something happens. The hut's closed. There's always some kind of drama going on. We really enjoy watching it. Yeah, definitely check those guys out. Hilarious. All right. And before you go. What have we not asked you? Just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we miss? Oh, gosh. I think we covered everything. We've come a long way since the last time you and I chatted, and I think we covered it all. Foodie has really expanded a lot. So, yeah, just the next big thing is I'm going to be in the kitchen this week for the first time, my commercial kitchen. So that's like the next big step is getting that part going. Congratulations. And is do you just have one dog or is there more than one dog running back and forth behind oh, you? Can you see behind? Sorry. I have That's one. A... She's our child. Okay. <laughs> She's made several trips this uh, interview. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. No, no, yeah, no, that's no Ella. apology was funny when we lived in the van people knew ella before they knew us so they would stop and be like hey that's ella I'm like hey i'm Erin. <laughs> like nice to meet you <laughs> all right hey we are finished i want to thank you for coming on the podcast aaron we yeah, wish you the me. very best in your future adventures on the trail and in the kitchen and we hope you'll consider coming back at some point and sharing some more stories with us awesome yeah thanks for having me it was fun as we close up any shout outs to friends and family 
I actually would love to take the opportunity to shout out all my foodie fans because honestly, I work as hard as I do because you guys are out there and supporting me. I have a lot of OGs that have been with me since day one. Um, and you guys give me so much feedback that I'm constantly, that's why I'm able to evolve all the time. So it's really because of all my fans that I'm able to do what I do. So that's a shout out to all those people that thank you so much. Okay. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've been cold soaking so long that you're craving a McDonald's happy meal. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.